0: I'll be honest with you. Rodeo season is about to kick off, and I am not a rodeo guy, uh, but I do like good cowboy boots. And Takovas, well, they're all about rodeos, but you know what else they're about? Rock and roll. My best friend is a rock and roller. He's a guitarist. He wears these boots. It's awesome. Takovas believes in Western for all, and you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. Offered a boot shine and drinks, yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. You can even get custom leather stamping or branding that'll make your boots truly one of a kind. Look up your closest store on Tacova's.com. If you can't make it into the store, Tacova's delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west as a special opportunity for our listeners. Tacovas has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use the code TRUCKS at checkout. That's T-R-U-C-K-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter the code TRUCKS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas.
2: Engineering your success.
1: Oh, yeah. It's finally time to talk, really talk about the updated 2025 RAM 1500. And can
0: we say for the record that this is a little bit more than just an update? We're not talking about just, you know, a refresh front end. We're not just talking about a couple extra goodies. We're talking about a significant update.
1: Yes, on this episode of TFL Talking Trucks podcast, we go deep because on the face of it, yes, new headlamps, maybe a new grill, an updated bumper, mm-hmm. maybe a larger screen, right? Right. But I went to Austin, Texas. I was there with the, um, the guys who created it, designed it, and engineered it, and I learned a lot, but I want to bring it to you. And how do we do this? We do this by interviewing the man himself. Yes, the chief engineer, Doug Killian, is going to be on this podcast. Uh, I'm going to do an interview with him. And it's going to be really fun because I learned a lot more about this truck myself Mm -hmm. because I thought, oh, I was saying what you basically was mentioning, right? It's just a light update. Mm -hmm. But, of course, there's a new power plant. But there is also a new electrical system. Right. And there's a fun way to describe it.
0: Yes, yes. Think Biology, when you're thinking this truck and you're on
1: the right track. Well, we all tend to, at least us enthusiasts, tend to humanize vehicles, right? We refer to them by name sometimes. Mm -hmm. We create nicknames. And it's kind of fun to talk about it as a person. You know, the engine is the heart. The skeleton is the frame. There's also other parts to it.
0: Yes, which we're going to avoid. (laughs) And I know many of
1: you expect me to say something inappropriate.
0: No, we won't. uh, But I'm not going to.
1: Yeah. And um, also, before we uh, kick off the interview, um, I also wanted to um, thank some of our Patreon supporters because you guys are pretty incredible. You are indeed. Thank you very much for your support. So just recently, Hunter Bardu, Brian Aries supported us. And we have a couple of comments and questions from you guys. We really appreciate it. And we're also doing something else on Patreon. We're actually launching some of our video series there first. For example, we did it with our Mercedes GL series. That's right. And we have another series coming up. We do indeed. Uh, So I guess I can say that. Yeah, there's Uh, no reason why you can't.
0: Ineos Grenadier. That's right. We just recently acquired An Ineos Grenadier, and we've been doing a whole bunch of trials with it. There's a bunch of, there's a series that's coming up with it. Uh, You're going to be seeing a lot of this vehicle. And in addition, if you are a member of the Patreon group, then you will be getting additional information with that.
1: Yeah, and you could see some of those episodes first before anybody else on YouTube sees it. Bingo. So that's pretty special. And also, of course, we can talk to each other, um, questions, comments uh, on patreon.com slash TFLCar is our only page for all of TFL stuff. That is correct. So yeah, so that's pretty fun. So uh, let me just explain a little bit of what I did in Texas, and then we can kick off the interview. So this was the first drive event. Mm -hmm. So this was several waves of journalists. It was uh, pretty large. It has to be because they haven't done one uh, really since 2018 when the 2019 truck came out right right and there's in many ways a lot more
0: going on with this truck and it's coming at a very crucial time because we are talking about recently the ford f-150 the gmc sierra of course the silverado and the brand new toyota uh, tundra these trucks hit the market within the past few years with either a minor or major update so The one who's been lagging, Ram. So this is really important for them.
1: And this is their coming out party. Exactly. So we did, they had many trucks. I want to say upwards of 20 different pickup trucks Mm -hmm. at this event in Austin, Texas. Uh, And there's, most of them had the turbocharged engine, the new Hurricane, the three liter twin turbo. They had some of the standard output. They had some high output trucks. They had the new Tungsten. Um, I also did a couple of videos with the Rev. They're all electric. Prototype. Ah, yeah. And the Ram Charger, range extended, uh, pickup truck that's electric. Um, and those videos are already published. So right. You could, so you could see those on altfl.com. And then we got to tow trailer. Uh, they had an um, Airstream trailer, which is pretty sizable. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was about twenty-two or twenty-four feet, um, as far as the living quarters are mm-hmm. concerned in the trailer. And it was about seven thousand pounds. So we got to tow the trailer. They also had Rebels, the brand new turbocharged. Hurricane Rebel truck. Which,
0: for those of you who are listening, that's the image that Andre has directly behind him.
1: Yes. Slightly dirty one. Uh, Well, because it's muddy. Yeah. Yes. Um, And we got to go off-road at this ranch, this beautiful place Mm -hmm. um, in Texas. So, uh, we did a lot. Well, now let's dig in. Let's talk to Doug Killian right now. Hello, Doug. Uh, Thanks for making the time for being on the Talking Trucks podcast.
2: Absolutely, Andre, glad to help, glad to, you know, have some time to chat, talk some trucks.
1: Yeah, so can you please um, introduce yourself uh, briefly, you know, sort of your uh, title and your involvement in the Ram 1500?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Doug Killian, um, Chief Vehicle Synthesis Manager. I'm really responsible for vehicle development for trucks at Stellantis, and of course, trucks at Stellantis means ramp.
1: I like the synthesis uh, part
2: the synthesis you know that's the uh and we'll talk a little bit about like the anatomy and physiology of a truck but we actually kind of put the dna into the truck is yeah. what makes a ram a ram and yeah. uh yeah it gives it its personality and its its, its specifics
1: well i, w- I want to get to the core of this question right because people are i mean they've seen it uh uh you know maybe images and video clips of this new truck and uh but some of them are questioning what has changed. Um, you know, is it is it drastically different? Is it about the same? So I kind of want to go point by point, kind of component by component if we can yeah. and, and get to the bottom of it. So um, it's a 2025 Ram 1500. So you're basically launching your internal combustion lineup, right? That's right. And we, and we could touch on electrification a little bit later, right, those are coming. Sure. Um, so let's start basically with the, I guess, the skeleton, <laughs> the frame.
2: Yeah, 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 the bones of the truck, so to speak. Um, we really made a a bigger adjustment when we launched the fifth generation Ram. So we, I'll say we even like looked forward a little bit in terms of our choice of materials. And we really leaned into the high strength steel, 95% high strength, 50 KSI steel in the frame, uh, as well as the body and white. So we really... I'll say we did the structure of the bones part when we launched fifth generation RAM. So what we've done here is we've continued to evolve the the suspension around that frame. And when I say that, it's more in the tuning than than the actual change in the architecture. We've got, we think, a good solid foundation to build on in terms of the combination of ride, handling, capability. In terms of where a light duty truck customer is right now, is we think that's a, that's a good spot. So there's not a lot of visible changes on the underbody, but they can be felt in terms of the level of refinement and and the tuning essentially that's now adapting to our new propulsion system, which I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, one of the new engines in our lineup, Um, that, that continuous evolution of the link coil rear suspension, double wishbone front suspension has been. Has been something we've been working on for for quite some time now. Well, yeah, I mean uh, the Ram light duty trucks, um,
1: the fifteen hundreds, they have been. Um, you you've guys had the multi link rear suspension for, you know, at least since twenty nineteen generation and
2: even before. Oh, right? for sure, even before that, yeah, yeah. We've continued to evolve that suspension as really the right suspension for a Ram light duty. So you still have all the
1: options, right? You know, there's steel coils. You could have air suspension, um, and we'll touch on, you know, the Rebel, the off-road, some mm-hmm. of the off-road trucks as well.
2: That's right. That's right. Yeah, we have um, the coil suspension. They're variable rate coils, so right around the normal ride height of the vehicle, the rate is lower. And then as you uh, as you load, increase the payload on the truck, the rate increases to keep that ride frequency the right point for uh, for the best handling and best ride. So yeah, we're still some evolution on those on those spring rates, going from a straight rate to a to a variable coil is something that we've evolved over time. I gotcha. Air suspension, suspension. similarly, air suspension. We've developed, we've continued to uh, develop that piston profile, the piston essentially that the air spring rides on, and the damping characteristics uh, beneath it. Um, I noticed uh, you had the chassis. Uh, I'm actually
1: met you at the event, right in Austin, Texas. Yeah, right. And and we didn't get the chance, a little bit of time to speak like this, so thank you for making the time, uh, but I, I saw in the rear section kind of over where the rear spare tire is yeah. I noticed those two cylinders. Uh, yes, is that part of the air system as well.
2: It is exactly those are the reservoirs that hold the compressed air, so we have a series of valves that will shuttle air back and forth to those reservoirs so there's a, a, a quicker time to go to a lower suspension or to a higher ride height by just moving that compressed air
1: have you considered um i don't know if it's available now but getting um some owners uh, uh, air compressor feature or like an accessory down the line i mean is that is that something outside of the suspension i guess
2: yeah, you know, that's something we've thought about when we look at our strategy for air suspension, it really does take uh, advantage of those reservoirs. So having compressed air on board, uh, if we were to to offer that to the customer, they could deplete that down. We've really found that customers who want compressed air, if that's part of their job, part of their business is that they have a, a compressor that's really for, for compressor duty. Uh, the compressor we have on board is really meant for for keeping those reservoirs full and probably would not be satisfactory for somebody who really uses compressed air on their job. Understood,
1: cool. Well, um, you touched on the springs and suspension. Uh, Let's talk about about payload and towing, right? And I I was looking at the spec sheets and it it doesn't seem like you changed it a lot, if any. Can you speak a little bit about those
2: capabilities? Yeah, the payload, um, 2,370 pounds is our max payload. Uh, that's really remained steady as we move into this into this update. Really a pretty good number for a light-duty customer. What we're expecting is there's a point where if somebody's using their truck purely for payload, there becomes that time when it's time to step up into a 2,500. And the more we grow that number, the more of a compromise there is to the unloaded ride or just the partially loaded ride. And where we find a, a 1,500 or a a light duty truck customer tends to, to use their truck. So yeah, we kept that right around, you know, 23, 2,400 pounds. Uh, towing, similarly, there's trade-offs that we can make in terms of the cooling system size. Um, and once we get over 10,000 pounds, we're at 11,550 on this truck. That's a sizable trailer. We think about our customers tend to tow boats is a, is a pretty common one or cargo trailers, box trailers, a toy hauler type thing. That we find that the, let's say if those customers are ninety percent of the time or eighty percent of the time not towing and hauling heavy payload, well, we don't want to make, make a compromise just to put a number up there. That that's where we have a whole portfolio of trucks for for those customers. And um, so yeah, it's not quite the the twelve seven fifty we used to be for towing with the Hemi. We have a new we have a new engine. Uh, that engine has higher heat rejection. Uh, in certain situations, like when we're towing up Davis Dam, uh, situations where we really are, not only can we put the trailer behind the truck, but we absolutely test its endurance and its ability to handle the most extreme temperature conditions along with altitude and grade and really say, yeah, if that's the rating we're putting on the truck, there's no way anyone's going to find that limit. We really push it to the to the 99th percentile of uh, of what anyone's going to do with this truck and beyond.
1: I gotcha, Yeah, a lot of we get a lot of questions at TFL Truck um, related to like, what's my limiting factor to towing? Right? Is it yeah. suspension? And people rarely think about actually radiators and cooling. Right? And that has yes. to do has to do not just with the engine, but also transmission.
2: For sure. For sure, the cooling needs of the transmission is that that combined vehicle, the truck and the trailer put an extreme load on the driveline, the axle and the transmission. And when we put a number on the paper and we say that's the rating, that's exactly what we mean is it's going to absolutely satisfy uh, the driver of that vehicle to that point. A number is a number until you actually have to live with it and say, okay, this is is something the engineers at RAM helped to, you know, help to decide when we put this product out. I gotcha. Um, well now let's uh,
1: jump into the powertrain, right? So it's a natural segue. So, uh,
2: you're introducing your hurricane lineup, uh, three liter twin turbos. That's right. Yeah. And actually we have two different versions of that three liter twin turbo engine, a standard output we call it the hurt. It's the hurt known as the hurricane. Uh, you'll notice when you were here, you saw the truck, say SST on the, uh, the little powertrain modifier on the badge is straight six turbo. So that engine effectively replaces the Hemi in the light duty truck and its horsepower numbers are there. It's 420 horsepower on that standard output. And then the second version of that hurricane is a high output, 540 horse. That engine uh, has bigger turbos. It's uh, more forged components on the inside of the, of the long block. So two versions of the of effectively the same displacement engine, but the guts of the engine uh, draw more power uh, from the high output. And similarly, we have a larger exhaust to, to manage just the, the amount of airflow through that engine uh, with a true dual setup on the high output. Well, those numbers are very impressive for both versions for the
1: displacement, right? I mean, if you're talking about specific output of this engine, um, it sounds really impressive.
2: It certainly is, yeah. And and there's actually different boost levels. We think about the what those turbos are doing for effectively adding a, a fuel-air charge to those three liters of displacement, 22 psi on the standard output and 28 psi on the high output. Actually, so that really needs a stout block and um, instead of uh, the crank train, essentially, if you will, the uh, the crankshaft, con rods, pistons, those really need to handle a severe amount of uh, of pressure. At especially 22 or 28 psi, and they're all engineered for that level of pressure and durability at those, those extreme levels. That's how we get the power out of it. Gotcha. Did, did you consider maybe hanging
1: the V8 as an option somewhere? You know, because there are a lot of fans, of course, of that engine, uh, of the 5.7 liter.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, the V8 has been just absolute core of, of pickups. And we still have V8 in our heavy duty. Uh, we still have V8 in the in the Ram 1500 Classic, but we're looking at you know really as we as we move forward with ICE uh, pickup, there's a point where we really have to recognize the amount of CO2, uh, fuel economy, and power, and to essentially change that game and make them all better really means that we're moving to a uh, to a different engine, and we consider our the volume of that. Um, we really, we you know, we really need to look at the emissions of this vehicle and say we're doing the right thing moving forward to keep ice in the in the product and a fully modern, clean. Not that not that the Hemi is not, but at the same time, um, we're all trying to you know move forward with our uh, uh, with our emission side. Did you did you state your EPA uh, numbers yet, or is that coming? Yeah, no, those are still uh, we're still getting our final confirmations from the agencies, and they will be available next month. Well, I gotta say,
1: just quickly, my impression of the—I um, drove primarily the uh, standard output engine. Okay. Uh, I had a limited amount of time, so uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure you know I, I can get some experience in both um, really soon. Um, and yes, I gotta say, the standard output Hurricane, 420 horsepower, even in—I drove a Tradesman with that engine okay. uh, as an optional engine, and I gotta say, the smoothness of that engine um, is noticeable just just kind of sitting around at the traffic light even idling didn't notice the engine and the power is very linear I I just felt like you know just kind of endless just really good amount of power so uh, I was really pleased uh, with that Uh, on the flip side it was it was so smooth and nice and it's a little bit quiet so I don't know how some Mm -hmm. people will react to it because you know part of the truck Traditionally, is 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 also the sound um, characteristic of it. I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is one thing that the Hemi, the the Hemi exhaust note and the rumble that goes with the Hemi, those are absolute characteristic of a V8. That are you know can only be found in a V8. That architecture is just absolutely sounds awesome. And and I've driven Hemi trucks for years. I've now moved into a Hurricane. And yeah there's one thing that uh, that people might miss is that exhaust note that's just inherent to a v8 and that we loved tuning for so long
1: but the uh, 469 pound feet of torque in the low end also you know available pretty low in the rpm range i mean those numbers are hard to um argue uh, against uh, even in the standard engine so um Absolutely. I, I guess what i haven't done is and some people are wondering about this uh is i want to use obviously all the new powertrains on our i gauntlet test which mm-hmm. is a mountain uh towing yep. test yep, and um uh one question i already received from an owner of this powertrain in a different vehicle which was a grand wagoneer uh-huh. um they they had some questions about uh the grade shifting performance or the downhill performance of the new power okay. can you speak a little bit about the downhill performance uh, of this
2: yeah uh you know essentially as you go downhill and you're choosing a lower gear um this engine will of course provide a level of engine braking to you know to help out with the uh with the descent um It's something that we're able to tune as we tune the uh the valve timing and the fuel mixture on the uh on the closed throttle position uh the more efficient the engine is there's some there's a bit of a limitation and actually the lower displacement as well is something that uh there's opportunities with larger displacement so essentially with our light duty truck we have made of a bit of a trade-off there so uh, a lower gear is going to need to be found but also capable of higher RPNs as you're going downhill. So, um, you know, maybe at a, at a certain point earlier, there was a, a time where you don't want to shift to a lower gear because it's approaching a red line. Um, we certainly have a more potential on a high end. And you also, that point, yeah, that there, there's, you know, there's, again, it's, it comes to that. What is the light duty truck customer looking for running the Ike? Um, and using that downhill, that we think there's uh, there's certainly sufficient engine braking to to not strain the the foundation brake system beneath that to any degree.
1: I gotcha. And also, there's I mean
2: tow haul mode is still there, and you can tune Absolutely. that uh, appropriately, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So tow haul mode will be certainly finding those lower gears, and if you've driven the truck, you recognize we have our our ERS our electric range select right on the steering wheel because. Sometimes there's just that extra bump, that extra gear that that the driver wants, that um, that helps get that extra bit of engine braking. And the transmission is still eight speeds, all all eight speeds, right? That's right. That's right. They're all the 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 ZF based eight speed. In uh, no matter which engine you get, you get the uh, the eight speed transmission. And then the
1: the three six, uh, Pentastar V six is still there. And Correct.
2: Torque. Um, combined with E-Torque. That's right. Yeah, we launched e with the 5th Gen uh, on the 3.6 Penistar and, and the Hemi as well. Um, it lives on in with the Penistar, and that's really another, that's an efficiency type of enabler, uh, good for fuel economy, recovering some of that, uh, some of the braking energy as you tip into the brake pedal, charges back that 48-volt battery, which in turn will be an assist, so to speak, uh, to the crankshaft when you take off, and, um, you know, give some of that energy back that uh, it's not defying physics, it's just making the best use of the energy that we have and not converting that that breaking energy purely into heat. Um,
1: can, can we take this opportunity? I wanted to talk a little bit about the inverter system and the power export. Yeah. Um, can yep. you kind of describe that and how it works both with the hurricane and also the uh, Pentastar?
2: Yeah, actually, similarly that, um, that two kilowatt inverter that's available in the in the truck bed, uh, really uh, the the engine choice will not limit the the peak power at all times. Uh, we do have a more of an opportunity on the three point six liter, uh, in terms of having that forty eight volt system, uh, which is which is based on the e torque is really the foundation of e torque, to uh, to help the the inverter on board. But in either case, uh, two kilowatts is is available. At the power panel, uh, and and while driving, it's uh, you know it's, it's available as well.
1: Yeah, I I, I love that feature. Um, I mean, it's becoming more and more prevalent because mm-hmm. I mean traditionally, uh, you know, 400 watt systems were kind of you know the standard, um, yeah. and now I'm I'm seeing you know two kilowatt or even some higher with electrification, right? Some higher inverter systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that very useful.
2: So that's that's really good that you are in, including that. Yeah, it's a it's a good feature for um, you know for for the truck user to have that amount of power on board, and um, you know going beyond just charging. You know, say charging batteries for another system is so you can actually run. You know, once you get over a kilowatt, running a chop saw or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, all yeah. right,
1: so let's um, talk about the nervous system. <laughs> of this truck.
2: Yeah, Yeah, okay, so we've talked about the bones a little bit, right, Uh, and the heart. um, Yeah, the nervous system, so the electrical system of the truck. Uh, Atlantis High electrical architecture is what we call it at Stellantis, and essentially that's an evolution of what we had is called PowerNet. Atlantis High brings a faster level of communication amongst modules, so including the infotainment, that's probably the most visible to a customer. That system also allows us to do different things in terms of um, of having active driving assist, which, um, of course, can can kind of make be a bit of a game changer in a truck that uh, that puts a lot of miles on every year and there's a lot of highway miles and just over the road. Um, definitely want to talk about active driving assist and enhanced free drive active driving assist, but that electrical architecture also. Uh, allows us to do more of the onboard computers or modules we can do over-the-air updates with those. Um, it's a more secure architecture. So when we have a, our telematics module that's on the truck, it uh, just has more security. And that's how we were able to open up more modules to um, to over-the-air updates. So this Including is something coming like in. A, like a smartphone is a key. That's another thing that we've enabled with this uh, with this architecture and its security is that, Simply using the RAM app on a smartphone, don't need to take even your phone out of your pocket um, and, and pair right into the truck and be able to have a shareable key for say a spouse or a kid or somebody on a work site. I mean, those are things that, that can be done all with security. So this
1: is a new feature coming in now, right? The 2025 model. Correct, yeah. Correct.
2: yeah. Enabled by the Atlantis High architectures, that smartphone is a key.
1: Yeah, that, that's really cool. Yeah, I do want to talk a little bit more about the driver assist technology. I mean, adaptive, yeah. adaptive cruise has been around, right? Uh, For sure. But, but
2: you're extending that capability. Exactly, yeah. So we think of adaptive cruise as almost like foot feet-free driving, and we're now talking hands-free driving, and, um, and there's other adaptations of hands-free driving that are out there. But we're looking at really hands-free on a RAM is not as much about technology, say for technology's sake, or what can I demo really quickly on a drive that's like, wow, that's cool technology. We're really looking at the guy or the, you know, the, the driver who's, who drives a lot of miles, puts on 500, 800 plus miles a day and wants to, you know, do that with more confidence and not, not as much intensity and kind of keep their, uh, you know, be refreshed by the time they're getting where they're going, not to get that road weary sensation. So for us, that really means for the hands-on active driving assist, is we have a capacitive sensor in the steering wheel. So it doesn't require that level of, of torque and angle on the steering wheel to recognize that the driver's actually has their hand on the wheel. We use a, a capacitive switch. So just that just touch sensation is all as it needs, directly, directly seeing that the driver's holding the wheel. Um, and then with the hands free, which the system will actually switch as the road becomes enabled it will switch from a a hands-on to a hands-free with a simple cluster pop-up that shows literally actually shows hands coming off of a steering wheel and and the words hands-free comes up is it's always looking for the highest level of assistance available. And if the driver leaves the highway, essentially that hands-free is available on um, restricted access highways. So highways that have an entrance and exit ramp. Uh, It'll always look for that highest level of assist. But what we also do is Realize that some drivers don't necessarily trust these systems right away, or maybe even just their behavior um, says, yeah, they might want to have their hands on the wheel through a section of road. Not that the system can't handle it. It's just their, their level of comfort, either driving or driving with an assist system. So one thing that we do is, is somewhat unique as we call it co-steering is that we don't, we don't disengage the hands-free system. When the driver puts their hands on the wheel, we let them kind of come in and co-steer and, you know, take charges they need to without disengaging or creating any level of, um, you know, requiring them to turn the system back on. So we kind of look at it as a, it's a way to keep the, keep the stress level down, keep the intensity down and let the, let the truck and the driver kind of partner up on that activity. And as trust levels change, the driver may just become more confident and they'll do more true hands-free, but we don't want to penalize them for, Again, that that uh, comfort in just taking part, taking even a partial hold of the wheel uh, as they're going driving the truck. I got you. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I haven't tried
1: your hands-free system yet. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. So, but uh, my previous um, experience with some other systems, uh, some of them worked, you know, smoother than others. So I, I think it's yeah. important that you're paying attention to that, and uh, oh, because it it's almost like it has to feel natural right it's it's not like the, the way the vehicle is steering or adjusting and accelerating or decelerating so so i think it's important to um you know that you're paying attention to all those things
2: exactly that's that's one thing we found is it is as just an overall smoother experience when we let this with let the driver co-drive as opposed to letting the system try to decide does the driver want to take over entirely or not at all we let the you know, we let them kind of both participate as needed. And, um, you know, that really makes for the smoothest experience. And then that trust builds over time and, uh, and ultimately becomes the, the, the way to reduce the stress and driver fatigue. And that's really what it's about in terms of having a driving assist on a Ram truck.
1: And for the hands-free system, there's a sensor on the steering column, right? For, for the
2: eyes. Correct. Yes. In hands-free mode, that sensor is constantly looking, using essentially a, a facial uh, you know, recognition to see just that there are eyes looking ahead, uh, that the driver is engaged. And not just from a, I mean, certainly it's something that uh, it's a safer situation if the driver is paying attention to the road because it's, there's always the unknowns that are out there. Uh, but if the driver becomes drowsy or if you know if there's other situations that that sensor essentially is able to um, to nudge the driver. We have a, a vibration a haptic feedback in the seat that will essentially give a nudge if the driver's looking away for too long or becomes distracted. It's a nudge and a and a, it's all within the driver's side of the vehicle. There's not a chime or anything that's creates drama for anyone, anyone else in the truck. It's really meant for the driver to uh, you know, to, to engage and, um, and stay alert without being annoying. And we, we really spent some time on that. of what level is is being too much of a, uh, you know, is trying to control the situation too much and how much is it just a little nudge that a driver would need from time to time.
1: I gotcha. And are you enabling, um, does this work with uh, towing as well? Or how does that interact uh, with with, uh, with the system?
2: Yeah. So the system will not, um, will not penalize or turn off. The system is still engaged, uh, even when towing a trailer, um, we recognize there's, there's opportunity to, to optimize and and to do a system with towing. Um, that's something we're, we're developing and evolving, but we found that letting the system, uh, be able to work, especially with hands-on as there's a trailer, um, and the, you know, the, the combined vehicle having its own dynamics and, um, and own level of attention from the driver is still a point that we we find that we let the system work but we're not we're not saying it should be a a full on hands free with trailer at this point that there's I still there's still that level of driver involvement that that um that we think is important well speaking about driver involvement i i i, I want to compliment on
1: the towing mirror so oh. uh, most of the trucks i drove uh, i drove three had towing mirror Uh, Mm -hmm. the new one and also I mean the towing mirror was actually introduced uh, I believe last year on the heavy duty lineup as well Um, but the control is looks new the actual panel on the driver's side for the window switches and also the mirror control I just found uh, I did a little video about it I just found that they're really helpful and very intuitive
2: Oh, thanks for that feedback. I mean, that's uh, that's something you can recognize with the amount of controls that we have in terms of the spotter mirror and the large mirror, being able to control them independently and intuitively as you tow a lot and you don't want to spend time looking down at a control. You can learn it very quickly. We we spent time making sure that it was intuitive because we recognize when you're towing a trailer, it's it's about the situation that's in front of you and behind you. And Sometimes you need to adjust those spotters. You need, to, you need to see down to the trailer tires just a little bit differently. Uh, you need to see around you. And we want drivers to be able to do that intuitively while going down the road. Um, even moving the, the mirrors out, you notice they have power telescoping, power folding, that everything can happen essentially from that pad even as in a short amount of time without even having to look as you just know where to put your fingers and, and, uh, and make those adjustments. Yeah, so I really appreciate that
1: feedback. Yeah, it's really localized to one area, right? You don't have to manipulate different areas, you know, different switches in different areas, which I I, I thought was a great implementation of that. So, so that's really good. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, well, let's I guess switch a little bit into interior since we're kind of on the inside now, um, yeah. and you also introduced a new trim level, which is the tungsten, which. Um, in addition to your other trim levels, um, that you have, uh, yeah, the tungsten is quite luxurious.
2: Whoa. It is. Yeah. The, uh, the seats, especially, I think if you, if you had a chance to sit in those seats, uh, 24 way adjustment. So, um, there's the, the cushion extender, um, is one thing for get, you know, I'll keep it going back to that. The, the person driving a truck for a long over the road, um, experience. The electrical side? Yeah, that's, I mean, we just talked about it, the, uh, the active driving assist, but where you're actually seated, having, uh, having massage, and that's not only available on the tungsten, but uh, massage on the cushion and on the seat back is a way to also reduce some driver fatigue and sore spots. And, you know, certainly you can appreciate where you kind of want to move around a little bit. Uh, that 24-way seat allows you to make the adjustments to get a little more thigh support when you need it. Uh, A little maybe a little more um, side bolster support um, if you're in curvy areas or or widen it out when you're on the highway Um, just adjusting that seat and then having the active massage going is a it's another way to uh, to keep the driver fresh and and in the right place and alert as they are going down the road. Yeah. and they get where they're um, going obviously they get where they're going um, the idea is the destination and we want to get them there in the best you know the best way possible so tungsten yeah. is just a luxurious it's a place to to spend time that is absolutely just uh, without uh, without compromise and without uh, you know anything that the driver has to do to um, you know to, to make that a better experience yeah it um, I mean
1: obviously you still have the limited and the limited longhorn and the Laramie and the, and the Bighorn or uh, Lone Star, right? It's called Lone Star in Texas.
2: Yeah, specifically in Texas, we call it Lone Star. We recognize uh, Texas is a big state for our, uh, for our products. And uh, yeah, the Bighorn and the Lone Star from a pure function and content standpoint are, are basically identical, but we do give a nod to, uh, to the state of Texas with the Lone Star. Uh, that's and cool, and of course, of the, the tradesman. I already mentioned the tradesman um,
1: that I drove, yeah. um, so that that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, yeah, we've made some upgrades on tradesman this year as well. You may have noticed the radio that we have in the tradesman with the eight four inch screen, where that that screen goes right to the edges. is It's pretty high tech radio in the in essentially the entry model uh, to the RAM. And it starts with
1: uh, there's no two door still right, so it starts with a quad cab. So an extended four door cab and you got the crew, of course, and you have different bed sizes like before.
2: Correct. Yeah. The, the five, seven, five foot, seven inch, uh, bed, which has Ram box available is the, the starting configuration. And that's the bed that comes, uh, as the, the first configuration with the crew cab with the quad cab, there's a six, four, six foot, four inch box, uh, that box is also available with the crew cab so we do have that kind of that, that mix of cab size and box size to um you know for depending on the customer's usage uh how they how they want to divide their people space versus their their uh, box space i gotcha um i also drove the new rebel
1: um, so the 2025 ram 1500 rebel continues um and yeah. um it has the standard output um hurricane correct yeah so, in addition yeah oh go ahead oh no no just wondering uh, how i mean is the rebel mostly the same i know the interior is also a little bit changed, so you can have a premium interior with a larger screen but i, I wanted to get a little bit of the perception how did the rebel change uh with this new update
2: yeah rebel really um in terms of its mission as part of the portfolio has remained steady as a, a very capable off-roader. And if you did the off-road course, I think you would have seen that, especially coupled with air suspension and the uh, the standard output hurricane, is it's quite a capable off-road uh, performer. Uh, it also comes along with the, the exterior aesthetic. We go with the bolder colors. Um, the tire, our tire choice there, uh, the Goodyear Duratrac is key to um Putting that that tractive power to the ground and having some level of durability uh, for craggy rocks and and mud, Um, so we found that's a good pairing. So there's certainly off road capability there. In fact, I think a lot of rebel buyers probably could go even further with how far they push their truck. You know, certainly it's got the off road image and it's got the the off road performance to back it up.
1: And you got the Bilstein shocks.
2: I mean, those are still there. Um, Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that that tuning that suspension, it does have a higher ride height compared to a um, to a standard truck. So with that, um, you know, we, we think we've got a good a good mix of good on road manners with some some serious off road chops, too. So I did the off road course um, at the ranch we were
1: at mm-hmm. and um, I noticed I, I think um, you guys have done. I mean, this was the same with the previous generation or iteration of the truck it's really good in four low um and by that i mean smoothness right so so what happens sometimes when you're selecting four low um you're gearing down the transfer case and then there could be a little bit of jerky motion right where um maybe in the first gear year two you know there's a little bit too much torque but i found the eight speed combination is still really smooth i mean it feels natural so um, I, I think it used to be like that, and it still continues, which which is, I think, is really great.
2: Yeah, it's a good pairing with the with the standard output hurricane and the crawl ratio to you know to have that smoothness. That's an important part of of driving through rough terrain. Is you want to be predictable and smooth, and certainly as the calibration the of the propulsion system was developed, that that was a, a key point is um, is keeping it smooth as you as you transition onto the throttle and off. Um, and using features like select speed control, if you had the chance to do the hill descent, you could you could really appreciate the the amount of engine braking and then actual um, foundation braking that's occurring to maintain a a steady descent through that uh, through that rocky path that we had on our off road course.
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, one thing was a little strange. Uh, this is just my first impression. Was that. Uh, on the select speed, it's the kind of controlling the speed of descent, right? Um, Correct. And there are, as far as I remember, there are eight different levels yes. uh, of the speed. Um, but I think the mode, uh, the left, I remember it's on the left of the steering wheel, um, and you control it, I believe, with the uh, the transmission up and with down. With the ERS.
2: Yeah, it's actually on the right side. So we have our drive modes are selectable on the left and on the right side is the electric range select for the transmission. So essentially, that switch bank becomes the the speed control. And it's not just hill descent control, but also if you're just going over a rocky path as you set that one speed, so as the terrain goes up or down, it's not just controlling a a descent, but also an ascent uh, as you go uphill. So yeah. yeah, we thought that that uh, that thumb switch being right there on the steering wheel, where it's it's just an intuitive spot for us to either bump bump up or bump down, much like you would do if you're driving or towing, uh, and you want just a little bit of engine braking. It's we want that shifter to be very easy to use. Uh, yeah, or the range uh, to be easy to use. I just found that I I had
1: thought I was switching my transmission, um, you know, at at first, and then I got yeah I understood it. Um, After using it for a few seconds and then so my my initial thing was like, Oh, am I shifting gears and no I'm not so so that was a a little bit of learning on my part.
2: Okay, no understood that's good feedback and we, you know, we, of course debated that around of like what's the right thing to keep your eyes on the trail and have something that's intuitive if you push it up you're going to go a little faster if you pull it down it's it just seems intuitive if you figured it out within a couple seconds. yeah. That's probably mission accomplished for us. Sounds
1: good. <laughs> um, so you mentioned a little bit, so the the RAM 15 Classic is still available, right? Um, it is. And it's, uh, which configuration? So is that uh, also the two-door, two-door cap? So some of the configurations or trim levels that already have been available are still continuing?
2: Yes. Um, we're continuing, kind of call it the... Um, the more entry level price classes. Uh, we're continuing through there with the D with the, uh, Ram 1500 classic, what we know internally as the DS, mm-hmm. um, that truck still, um, still performs well, has its place in the, in the Ram portfolio and, um, and represents a, you know, kind of the entry, entry to the light duty segment. Um, there's also the Warlock, which we have had in that, uh, uh, and that trim line in the past, which, um, you know it's been a it's been a good mix of of being able to take the the solid classic truck and uh, and then be able to step into the to the fifth generation the dt uh, to find different features that that customers might be looking for in the in the portfolio yeah we actually owned a tfl truck we had
1: um the ds two door we called them stubby you know so two door oh, um, yeah, yeah. And it was a 4x4 with a V6 Panastar, and it was a really honest truck. I mean, it's, it still continues yeah. to be, um, you know, really useful. Um, yeah.
2: So. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and there's uh, still a quad cab available there. And, yeah, but to your, I didn't answer your question, but, yes, that's where you get the regular cab is, uh, is on the DS Classic right now. Gotcha. And
1: then, so let's, um, I guess, wrap up by speaking a little bit about the um, – the REV and uh, the RAM charger. You had yeah. some prototypes at the event um, yes. that we could actually see in person. Um, so just let's introduce those for people who may not um, know much about them.
2: OK, yeah, RAM, REV, R-E-V, uh, essentially means the RAM EV. And that is our uh, essentially our first uh, foray into electrified pickup truck or a full EV pickup truck. Um, We're recognizing range is very important. So we're, we're setting best in class targets there. Uh, we're recognizing towing is important and that even towing range so that there's the right, you know, that's going to be a a truck for the right buyer that has ability to some level of charging infrastructure. uh, and also wants to do some towing that, uh, that that's going to be our offering for that specific customer that really wants the, the full on Bev experience. Uh, we've done some work on the front end. I think if you saw that truck that we had uh, available, aerodynamics is important to us. So we're we're putting a lot of effort into uh, into the arrow, into the drag, to make sure that we can get every mile out of this and still have it every be every bit a ram truck and with payload and towing numbers that will um, that will go along with that.
1: Yeah, and the ram charger.
2: Yeah. It's traditional shape, right? I mean, so
1: it's a crew cab with a 5.7 bed, right? That's right, yes. And that's how we're... You didn't create something new, I mean, as far as the form factor
2: of the vehicle. That's right. We still want to recognize everything that's been done on our truck for, you know, over a hundred years, that the usability and the familiarity and and how do I, you know, how do I use a pickup, how do I use a light-duty pickup, really shouldn't have to learn something new when we have an electric propulsion system with it. We still think that, that somebody's using their truck as a tool, that it's built to serve them and they shouldn't have to adapt to, or, or adapt in a great way to, um, to something just because it's electrified. So we're trying to keep those familiar things uh, as much familiar as possible and make our adjustments in a little bit of the styling and about in the way the air flows over, around and under the truck. To, to make it the most efficient, but without compromise to the usability of a truck. Similarly, we have a, a very large frunk, front trunk on that truck. Uh, realizing there's a place for the, uh, call it the clean side storage, and then use the bed as the dirty side storage. We've got uh, 15 cubic feet of storage underneath that front. It's a power front. And thinking that um, that'll find some new customers who maybe storage could be one of those things that's holding them back from a pickup truck. Essentially, it's it's kind of looking like SUV levels of of clean dry storage under the trunk and still not giving up anything in the pickup bed.
1: Yeah, 15 cubic feet, um that's a lot of space. Um sure, I, I, I like to, yeah. I like to compare it to um if people remember large sedans, <laughs> there's not mm-hmm. many. Okay. More. But that's <laughs> yeah. basically a big trunk like a big it Charger, is.
2: like a Dodge Charger. So that's a lot right. of space. Right, right, we have power outlets in there as well. So there will be uh, a, a power panel to be able to run things out of the front of the truck and, and similarly out of the, the inverter in the back like we see on our, uh, our mid-cycle upgrade here.
1: And you have two different batteries
2: and two ranges, right, planned for Correct. the rev- Correct, yes, we'll be launching with the, the RAM rev um, and. Uh, then coming later with a, a larger battery, and uh, and with that more range. I gotcha. And then there is the Ram Charger, which is
1: similar but not the same.
2: Yeah, yeah, similar in that um, it has a range-extending generator on board. So with that, it's important to note that the electric propulsion system is very, very similar to the RAM Rev. So it's electric drive modules, which are propelling the truck. Uh, Even if you just put your foot to the floor, the generator doesn't need to kick on. Uh, You Still get all of that really quiet, seamless electric power, the EV driving experience in in the RAM charger as well. But what's unique is that as the battery becomes depleted and there's a need for, for more range, that's when the generator will kick on. And that engine generator, its uh, the engine behind that is actually our Pentastar. And we recognize that engine has a lot of durability. It's quiet, it's smooth, and it does its job in the background to power that generator as that driver needs it. As they need more range, it's there. But fundamentally, there's no mechanical connection between the, the crankshaft and the wheels, so to speak. It's, a, it's purely an electric drive all the time.
1: Yeah, but uh, I believe one of your claims is for the ram charges up to 690 miles of driving range total yes. uh, combined with all the energy yes. on board. That's, uh, that's pretty huge. I mean, that's like diesel level, you know, heavy duty diesel level of range.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that is, if you were to just fill both sources of energy, so to speak, go with a full charge and go with a full tank of gas is yeah, you've got. There will be 690 miles on the combined cycle to um, to go. We're expecting that this truck is something that people will want to plug in. That if uh, you know if they have access to the to electrical energy, would would plug it in. I mean, that's really the uh, we're, we're really meaning it for the um, for the EV truck buyer. Uh, but it brings on a new level of electrical power that can be taken off board, uh, 7.2 kilowatts. So we take our, you know, that basic inverter we were talking about before with the ice. Now that we have all this electric power plant on board, we can really crank up the amount of uh, exportable power, if you will. So we really want to find that, you know, that customer that's looking for the EV experience and the EV power that they can take along with them. And if they're plugging it in, taking advantage of the, the economics of the electrical, say, charging at home, but without the limitation of um of the EV infrastructure that may be around them. I gotcha. Um, and
1: so the Rev is coming first, you said, and then um, the Ram Charger is next year, right? Or correct? Yes, Rev
2: this year, Ram next year.
1: I gotcha. And have you talked about pricing yet uh, on those
2: on those models? I'm sorry. You know, our our connection just just blank for a second. Can you repeat the question? Sorry um
1: and what about pricing on the rev and the ram charger have you announced that yet have not no have not that'll be closer to launch great well well doug i think we had most of the points right uh on this new truck i think so
2: yeah yeah glad you had a chance to experience it to drive it and um you know have uh some seat time while you were out here in texas yeah, I'm I'm
1: uh I'm hoping to get a loaner here in Colorado as well. Like I said, I really wanna try the iGauntlet. Um yep. and you know, test as many variations as possible uh as soon as possible. So Great. we're we're really uh we're all about pickup trucks here. So so we're really looking forward to that. Um, thanks for your time again. And uh we'll hopefully we'll meet again sometime and actually spend more time together.
2: Yeah, likewise. Yeah, i really enjoyed meeting the other day and, um, you know, talking trucks with you now and uh, looking forward to, to doing more in the future. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Andre. Take care.
1: Whoa, dude. So what I didn't know before this episode is that the electrical system, the communication, the nervous system of this truck was new. Mm-hmm. They call it Atlantis High System. You know, Stellantis, Atlantis. Yeah, I got that part. That's pretty good, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. They're finally getting better with some of their word. Yeah. Um, Uh, Anyways,
1: no, no. And it enables many features like over-the-air updates. Uh, Well, you may have good thoughts about it and also bad thoughts about it because over-the-air updates allow you to, uh, you know, the manufacturer to update their truck very, very quickly. Sure. But there's also, if you want to do modifications, it may you know, inhibit some of that and make it more difficult.
0: There's also reports that in some cases OTAs uh, can cause battery drain on certain Well, types I, of I experienced
1: one of those also. I know. With my Chevy. I know. Anyways, so uh, also it was quite interesting because uh, you know how manufacturers love best in class, you know, claims. Sure. Those, those really, really high claims. And Ram has a few. For example, 540 horsepower. Damn. Out of their new high-output engine, um, and 521 pound-feet of torque. This is non. Well, yes. So the Raptor R has more horsepower on yes. the side, but uh, if you exclude that exclusive, you know, high-performance uh, truck,
0: small percentage sales-wise, truck. Y- I would say. Yeah. Uh,
1: if you talk about you know that you can get this high-output engine in several different trims on the RAM, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty impressive. But it was interesting what Doug had to say about you know, some of the payload and towing numbers, because those numbers are not completely class leading. No, they're not. Um, and Ram just decided to, you know, if you want bigger numbers, get a heavy duty truck, right? I mean, it's not about towing, you know, 12,000 or 14,000 pounds but you have done right?
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I still would love to talk to Doug about that uh, payload rating. I do think it's a little low.
1: Well, yeah, so... Uh, On the work version, the Tradesman, it's about 2,300 pounds, which is good. better. Which is good. But once again... You can't get that beefy engine in with it, though. Not the high output, right. Um, And, for example, Ford F-150 claims a higher number, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at those billboard numbers, I mean, it's kind of an interesting game you have to play. Right. Um, But, by the way, the Tradesman Mm -hmm. does have a standard output twin turbo. So if you want 420 horsepower in your work truck... You could still get that.
0: So what you're getting is uh, basically very similar to what the output... What was the output on the 5.7 liter Hemi? Three three 395.
1: 395. So you're getting 25 extra horsepower. Right. But a gobs more torque. Lots more torque. Yeah. And uh, most likely a more efficient powertrain, too. I mean, it, that doesn't yeah. take much. So I did have a small test. You know, I drove about 45 miles or 50 miles uh-huh. on, on one of my road trips in this truck. Uh, standard output hurricane engine, and I saw about 19.5, almost 20 mpg in kind of some highway mixed driving highway and also smaller country roads. Okay. Um, So I wasn't completely blown away by it, but once again, this is kind of a small sample, right? Right. We still need to put it on our Denver 100 Oh, at
0: the very least, yeah. When we get our hands on any of these rams, we're going to be testing the hell out of them. You can bet your dollar on that. Uh,
1: totally. And, of course, iGauntlet, because mm-hmm. a lot of you uh, want to know more about this turbocharged engine. How does it do grade shifting? How does it go down the mountain, right? I'm very curious. I yeah. want to know
0: if it performs similar to the way that the, um, uh, the V6 twin turbo in the Toyota, which we've recently tested, mm-hmm. if it performs in a similar way with that engine.
1: Yeah, and of course they have the tow-hole mode, Mm -hmm. Um, they have some uh, towing technologies that they added to it, and those mirrors, dude, those towing mirrors.
0: When he got back from his trip, all he could do is tell us about the mirrors, and then he whipped out his phone and he was showing me specifically what he was talking about. And I have to be honest with you, um, mirrors, I I know that sounds like it's nitpicking when a vehicle has bad mirrors versus good mirrors. It really matters, not just for towing, but just driving and traffic in general, Because these are big trucks, right? And I've always felt that um, some companies did mirrors better than others. And I used to love what Ram was doing with their flip-up mirrors back in the day. But they stopped moving forward, so to speak, in terms of uh, innovation. However, this new system that they have set up, it looks intuitive. And according to Andre, and I really do hang a lot of uh, what Andre Andre says out there as uh, being fact, uh, it's supposed to be fantastic, and I'm looking forward well, to using
1: it. Yeah, I'm curious when you see it in person and use it, also, what you think about it. Well, you know I I'm mean, ham-fisted, so uh, I'm going to screw it up eventually. But you know, Well, I'm, that's the thing. I mean, it needs to be tested in the real world. They redesigned the entire window switch control. Well, I
0: like the size of it, too, because it looks like it's actually physically larger where the buttons are where you can control yeah. moving the mirrors around. And it's especially interesting for people who who have fleets. Because when you have a fleet, then you're not necessarily having the same employee jumping into that truck every day. So being able to quickly adjust those mirrors accurately, that's huge. So yeah. I, I do like that.
1: Yeah, totally. And you have, to like you said, good visibility mm-hmm. and also fun technology. Like um, some of the premium trucks have power extend, power fold. I like and that. it's all on the same switch. You don't have to look somewhere different places. Which is huge. Once again, I really do think that's a big
0: deal. So that's really awesome stuff.
1: Yes, so there you have it. Hopefully, you've got a really good idea now about the new Ram 1500, brand-new 2025 truck. Uh, they're supposed to have started production now. Mm-hmm. They're built in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's hard to tell when they're going to be re- re- you know, appearing at dealers because it's one thing to start production, but also you know, they have quality checks when the new vehicle first launches. Right. And then shipping. There could be, I don't know knock on wood maybe no component shortages so it's hard to say maybe in a couple months uh, they said q1 though so by nope. the end of march we should be seeing them at the dealership you should start seeing them i suspect
0: that you are going to hear a lot more about this truck in the very near future because i do think that they're going to try to keep within that q1 so stay tuned for that guys it's coming very soon all
1: right well thanks for joining us as always uh, stay tuned uh, to our weekly podcast, thanks for uh, listening and watching. And remember, com. all news, all the time, in one place. Because we have a lot going on. We, we have, what, we have always seven, seven other channels, right? <laughs> Way too many. All right, guys. Have a great week.